0: everyone, welcome to That Brit Rest TV show. This is Rampage, baby. Boom, 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 boom.
1: It's the show that you've been waiting on.
0: It... <laughs> 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 Hello, Kieran. How are you? Hello, how you doing? Returning once again.
1: For more punishment. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. 20 episodes of punishment, uh, Kieran unlike <laughs> the short series which was a uh, transatlantic wrestling challenge um all yeah. six episodes we had a fun time with that one didn't we
1: oh we certainly did like it was it was uh, infinitely more fun to talk about with you than it was to actually sit and watch
0: yeah and we we, we got some uh, constructive uh, feedback didn't we
1: offer uh, we did some- we actually had like a, a pleasant twitter discussion with some of the people who were involved in it
0: Yes, uh, old uh, Mr. Mike White and mm-hmm. uh, DNA A.S. who come in the conversation mm-hmm. and what's he called, Mike Carlson as well. So now we had a, a good time chatting on the on Twitter about that. And funnily yeah. enough, I think I sent you a picture of, uh, is it Magic who is selling the Transatlantic Wrestling Challenge T-shirts? At yeah, the- I
1: wonder, I wonder <laughs> how much he was charging for that.
0: 20 pound and all oh, we
1: should have gone we should have gone halves and framed it <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> as a reward um so uh, kieran how you been in the town? the last time we spoke you've been well i'm doing all right i'm keeping busy yeah you're never off the podcasting now are you
1: no no uh we i was saying before uh i was telling you my schedule before before we started and uh it's a bit much over the next couple of weeks but i think we're churning out some good stuff uh yeah, we'll go. I guess we'll get into that later, uh, towards the end when I get to plug my shit. <laughs> oh, yes.
0: oh yes, you will. Um So UWA Wrestling Rampage. Um This is from like 1999, so before Transatlantic Wrestling. Yeah,
1: Challenge. yeah. So the fir- I mean, giving it away a bit. The first six episodes of this were taped uh, at Crystal Palace Indoor Arena which is the same venue as the fwa slash tommy boyd revival show and the same venue that new japan just ran for uh for royal quest 2 yeah uh first six episodes were all tapes on the 11th of april 1999 yeah uh, so to put that in context uh wrestlemania 15 was three weeks before this was taped uh, yeah, so
0: that's uh, Rock, uh, Rock and Austin, isn't it? Rock and Austin, it, yeah, yeah.
1: The only good match on a turgid show. <laughs> yeah,
0: there's there's some bad ones on that. Isn't that the one where is it Hunter turns?
1: Uh, I don't remember. I do remember that it's the one where the boss man gets hung.
0: Boss man gets hung, yeah, that mm-hmm. one. And I think yeah. it's the Mick Mick Foley versus Big Show. Yeah, uh, to, right to fight to... for
1: who's going to be the ref. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. This, you can follow this under the WrestleManias I've only watched once.
0: Yeah, I think it's also it was also one of the first ever like proper DVD releases over here.
1: Yeah, this would have been at the point where we were kind of like transitioning from slowly from VHS to to DVD, I guess. Yeah, yeah, ninety nine would have been about right.
0: Yeah. Uh, so with, with with this show, 1,500 in attendance according to a good old cage match. I was thinking that's a bloody good attendance for this.
1: Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, I'm trying to think who... I haven't looked any further ahead than the the two episodes we're going to talk about today. I don't know if uh, Tiger Mask 4 and Grand Nanua were massive draws for 1,500 people, but they would have brought in some hardcore fans who would have been watching them on Michinoku tapes. I don't know if... Um, i mean christopher daniels isn't the isn't the name that he is today or even would be like three years after this so he's not dragging in 1500 people um i guess it's i don't know maybe it was very well promoted maybe it was the lure of it being a tv taping maybe all the boys that went out flyering lampposts maybe it's their families in attendance i don't know yeah you don't really get to see a lot of these 1500 people thanks to the camera work
0: <laughs> hey, you know what? We've got all these old shows Kieran. I always expect um a straw hat on the front row <laughs> <laughs> with Ben. But uh no could not I d I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't see him there in a uh, Crystal Palace. Um uh, so with this one, commentary is by Ross the Boss Gordon mm-hmm. and Steve Morgan. Now Ross the Boss Gordon I do remember from I think he did turn up on the Talk Sport. Uh, wrestling show near the back end
1: so ross gordon was ross hutchinson uh who i'm pretty sure was also if not the promoter he was certainly the booker of this promotion
0: yeah
1: Uh, along with the guy i'm pretty sure the guy who's on commentary on episode two is kenny mcbride they were best mates for years right i'm pretty sure he was the other booker right um uh so uh, Hutchinson was uh, he was a pretty prominent figure on the UK scene in the late 90, mid to late 90s. He was a referee. He was a fanzine owner slash writer. He took over the excellent sucker punch from, Rocker, uh, from Rob Butcher and made it uh, less excellent, let's say. Uh, he was involved in a lot of promotions uh, around this kind of time. And Steve Morgan sounded a lot to me like future F- FWA commentator Mark Priest, who was Alan Boone.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. But I yeah, don't yeah.
1: know if it was.
0: I'll have to. I'll have to ask him that because um, he might be a resurgence
1: on Sunday, so I will ask him. Hopefully, he denies it because I have some things to say about his commentary, especially in episode two. My word. Hey, to, to, to be honest,
0: when I've heard um, Boone's uh, like commentary on, I think some FWA shows. Mm. First time I actually seen Alan, I said, "Your commentary's all right." <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I've only seen a little bit of the stuff he did for the early for the early FWA TV, and it was fine. But um, this Steve Morgan fella, let's try and separate them at least until we have com- confirmation. This Steve Morgan guy is—he's uh, not good.
0: So um, the actual host of the show is someone mm. called Dan Berlinka, mm-hmm. who is actually a former producer for the WWF.
1: Yeah, he produced Bite This. About five years after this, he has also won two Baftas for writing children's TV.
0: Yeah, so um, it, other credits include Hollyoaks, Thunderbirds Ago, which mm-hmm. I do remember, which was on ITV. Shaun the Sheep, and as um, you said, Kieran, a winner of a Bafta in uh, Bafta in twenty fourteen for the BBC online drama Dixie, which is um, a children. It was a children's
1: award. Yeah, yeah. I believe I think his name must be Belinka because he doesn't belink. There's a link in episode two where his eye, he's it goes for about forty-five to, yes. seconds to a minute, and his eyes are wide open for all of it.
0: Like they, like they caught him at three a.m. in the mile. <laughs> 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 but um, as well, this was on live TV which is yeah. like um, a cable channel back it back in the day also home uh, home to um, topless darts
1: and didn't they also do topless weather and topless news yes yeah it was it was like it was tv for lads so this is the height of like lads culture this is like fhm magazine is still around loaded is still around maxim maxim, maxim yeah like like female tv presenters like covering their nipples on the centerfold is like is a big deal at this point mm. um uh i don't know what to say apart from sorry <laughs> i'm very glad the world has moved on what what do you
0: got that um tv station down south
1: well yeah it was on it was on cable but i didn't have cable yeah. i didn't get cable or satellite until 2001 2002 uh and it was sort of it was all broken up into like it was all regional yeah uh and so it would depend on your package what you got i think uh i don't remember ever watching live tv no any point
0: i don't we we never had it up here well Mm. we've always been on uh um, satellite since mm. uh, since it launched, mm. since Sky launched. So we 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 were one of the, like the uh, first customers.
1: Yeah, and I was one the of the ba- last.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Been with the bastards ever since. Cost me a <laughs>
1: fortune. <90 laughs> They've got compromising photos, and you can't get out.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: That exactly. box is watching you.
0: So um, it looked like uh, Dan Balinka is in- introducing the show from the uh, Points of View office.
1: <laughs> uh, the, uh, 1990s. It, what they've done is they've made it look exactly like uh early 90s wwf tv with like vince sitting on the control desk in the control room or mean gene in front of the in the control room yeah and that's quite smart i think that adds a bit of production value to it like it shows that this is a proper television company
0: i, w- I would say that the actual you know production compared to transatlantic wrestling challenge it's like it it does feel night and day
1: yeah yeah most definitely um it fit so that is a that was like a packaged six episode mini series if you like this is intended to be an ongoing show this is intended to be like a british version of raw or nitro both mm. of which are, you know, going great guns in 1999 and drawing yeah. massive rates. Like, don't forget, wrestling is massive at this point in time. Mm. So it's absolutely no surprise that this show got greenlit. And like it's I said, it's probably, supposed to be ongoing. Right. We've got like 20 episodes to get through. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's probably the height, I would say, yeah. of, the, of the attitude era.
1: Yeah. And I was looking around the crowd at like all the ECW t shirts mm. and then thinking, oh, shit, these are contemporary. Like, this is what like these people would have had them shipped over like you know last week to come to this show or whatever yeah. this isn't like wwf reprints or uh, you know having to scour around on ebay to get a, a vintage ecw t-shirt like these are people mail just order. in their normal clothes yeah exactly it's mail order stuff
0: and the, and as well ecw would have been on uh, bravo at the time another channel i barely ever watched yeah <laughs> And uh, another one for lads, 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 and everybody. Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, it's a it's a wonder Granada men and motors didn't end up with like like some. Uh,
1: didn't show. men and motor show World of Sport after um, oh, TWC went down? I think it did. Yeah, in the, yeah. In, the in the end, eventually. But uh, yeah, no. Or don't, movies don't... for men? Maybe that was the channel. It was. For it, was men. it was a shit channel with the word "men" in the title.
0: Yeah, movies for men. My dad would watch all them shit movies on, the, on, like an after, on like an afternoon and when you want to turn over to like some good on ITV, no, I'm watching this bloody, this movie, it finishes at half seven, still three hours to go.
1: This shit old war movie you've never heard of. Yeah. Starring a bloke out of the A-team, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Fucking dead right, mm. Um So let's, let's get into um, the first match of the show. Well, before that, we've got some setup. So Dan yeah. Belinka promises us Tiger Mask versus Jason Cross for the Michinoku Pro British Commonwealth Junior Heavyweight Title. That's a mouthful. Um <clears> T <throat> in action. Uh, Mick Mac- Mick McManus, hopefully not in action. Uh, rookie sensation Paul Sloan versus Johnny Storm. But first sloan's trainer flying phil powers versus mad dog mcfee and uh, who's one of the growth he says one of the growing group of wrestlers who've joined up with controversial manager steve linsky oh, there's no. gonna be a lot of names familiar to british wrestling fans on this show yeah so we do uh, a quick video setting up powers as a popular baby phase who helps train up and comers and linsky is a- as the dastardly heel with a hair b a lisp and c a fucking terrible american accent <laughs>
0: When he come out with this American accent, Karen, like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> it's, it's Chicago by way of Bridlington. <laughs> um, uh, we get quick highlights from a Powers versus Doug Williams match from last year where Linsky, Linsky throws powder and it backfires, allowing Powers to beat Williams. There's two lines of an interview where Linsky introduces Mad Dog, an angle shot on another live TV show where Mad Dog power bombs Phil Powers, they say on the 24th floor of Canary Wharf, yeah. And I'm like, Canary Wharf is more than one building, fella. Which one do you mean? Um, and uh, unfortunately, Mad Dog speaks, revealing himself to be a bit rubbish at it. This is all in the first three minutes of the show. Yeah. <laughs> I'll
0: just, uh, when Steve Linsky come on um, on camera, my name is Steve Linsky. <laughs> 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 he was very much going for um, a shit Paul and way, weren't he? yeah. Uh, uh, Phil Powers, an inspiration to folk. Um, that's what I garnered from his uh, his promo. And also, that with the uh, 24th floor of the live TV studios, it was during a filming of Catfight.
1: What the fuck is Catfight? Is it is it what it says on the tin? Is it a bit Joey Styles?
0: It mu- it must be. It must be, must be two <laughs> topless ladies having a catfight knowing live TV.
1: Good God.
0: Um, so uh, also like the interviewer in the back will be um she's called Jamelia, not the singer who once did a uh, superstar, but just uh, a random lady called Jamelia.
1: I think it's Jamila
0: Jamila right Yeah,
1: which is the same name as one of my friends and thankfully my friend is nothing like this woman. <laughs> So
0: she's going to be our like, uh, so, uh, is it? Was it Sophie Blake from?
1: Uh, <laughs> she's our Sophie Blake slash Mean Gene, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: Mad Mad Dog McPhee, He had a proper like West Country accent.
1: Oh, did he? I didn't pay attention. I just, I just realised he wasn't very good at talking.
0: Um, he supposedly also loves livestock and carries rabies. Um, from from the <laughs> announcement
1: you paid far more attention to this than I did. I know.
0: <laughs> oh, and also his fucking, uh, his entrance theme, which was, how, sounding more like a screeching cat than a wolf.
1: I, I sort of expected the wolf pack music to start up after every time I heard that howl. <laughs> and then was disappointed when it didn't. So, allegedly, yeah. Phil Powers versus Mad Dog McPhee, our opener here, is the first British match to be nationally televised in over a decade. They might be right. I don't know. Ask John Lister. um Our ring announcer looks like he's in a Judas Priest tribute band. And he gives Mad Dog a very long, very silly intro. His intros are very weird. They are, yeah. Standing a formidable six feet and one inches tall and bringing to the ring 235 pounds. <laughs> all i gotta do is shave my head and put my leather jacket on and i can do his job <laughs> i don't know if he'd ever done wrestling before i wasn't sure
0: oh god that was an absolute nailed on impression there
1: <laughs> there is one he does later on that i wrote down word for word and i can't remember where it is but when we get to it i'll see if i can do it in his voice
0: um phil powers is um uwa's mr nice
1: Yes, I believe he's also UWA's Mr. Owner, uh, in that he still promotes shows under that banner to this day.
0: Yes, um, I I did spot their um, Twitter handle on Twitter. Well,
1: well, I say to this day, the last one I can find a record of was March
0: 2020.
1: Ah. But he would do, like, he had a whole run of stuff in 2004 and then has done, like, he did he did like a show uh, anywhere between like one and five shows every year between like 2004, 2008 did one in 2018 and then one in 2020. But this was the big, the big run, I guess it's one, two, three, four, maybe five tapings. Hmm. And I can only find record of one UWA show before this. Yeah. Uh, in which, funnily enough, Phil Powers defeated Doug Williams, as we saw on the... Uh...
0: Two UWA originals there. Um,
1: yeah. well, some Some great theme
0: music as well for Phil, the power, powers. <laughs> um, in yeah, so everybody,
1: everybody seems to be named uh, so that they can have a theme tune that fits. So Phil Powers comes out to The Power... Um uh oh god, I did right like Johnny Storm comes out to Thunderstruck by ACDC, gotcha. that kind of thing. And like this first episode, so the sound mixing is bad on both of these episodes. This first one, clearly the music wasn't hooked up correctly in the building, and everybody comes out to a copyrighted track. It's a rare <laughs> it's the rare occasion where you get a copyrighted track dubbed over a wrestling show yeah and they do it really badly so you can't hear the crowd and they just slam the music on full blast with the commentary over the top it doesn't sound good it's really cheap and a very poor first impression
0: the um was that the old fwa ring
1: well the fwa existed at this point um uh fwa one which was their their first show happened uh let me see when did that happen uh yeah so the first fwa show had happened uh six weeks before this taping um that ring was very obviously one of the mark sloan constructions um uh i also noticed not related to the fwa uh, on uh photography duty phil jones with hair
0: all right, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll have to go back and uh, and look at that, Phil. Jones. He's very
1: that. prominent. He's in a blue t shirt, and he's almost constantly on the hard cam
0: at well, ringside. I'll, I'll go. I'll go back and try and spot him.
1: Um, yes, I'm very dubious as if to they as if uh, they had the rights to any of the music on this show, but everyone comes out to a copyrighted track.
0: So some good some good tunes. It's very much like ECW. Yeah, they, kind of.
1: That was possibly the vibe they were going for. Because I know, like. Uh, Ross was a huge ECW fan. Hmm. What did you think of this match? Well, it wasn't a great start when they cut away from Phil Power's entrance to show us that Mad Dog isn't that good at running the ropes. Yeah.
0: He looked, he looked, he looked poor as well, didn't he? He was like proper t shirt.
1: Oh Long God! Dead. I don't know why they let him wear his t-shirt. He must have had like a third nipple or something to make <laughs> them, make, them make him keep his t-shirt yeah. on, because he's he looks like a big intimidating guy, yeah. and I keep think I kept thinking first match in particular. Oh, he's he's going to take that t-shirt off at any point, and he doesn't. And there are like. He can't have had a physique worse than half the people on this show to have kept that. Maybe he was, I don't know, maybe he wasn't confident in what he looked like. Maybe he's got a big scar. Maybe he does have, like, an embarrassing tattoo or three nipples, as I said. Um, I don't know. Um, He shows bad instincts for everything, though. Like, he, he attacks before the bell with this terrible clothesline. He does more of his bad rope running. He generally looks green. He's about a year in at this point, as far as I can figure out. All right. He does a dreadful sharp shooter. He picks the wrong place in the ring to try a suplex and like pretty much like bumps Powers' arse on the ropes when they land. Um, uh, Powers comes back with a neck breaker, a top rope dropkick, a couple of suplexes before Linsky distracts him, allowing Fanny McPhee to almost kill him with a German suplex. Would you trust Mad Dog McPhee to give you a German suplex? Fanny McPhee? <laughs> Uh yeah uh powers can't be fucked selling the follow-up leg drop low and he fires off a bunch of kicks and chops on a rolling shoulder shoulder block in the corner uh dog avoids top rope somersault nothing but power still gets a small package for the pin uh dog was exposed immediately and powers just had to try and keep this together
0: just try and work around him.
1: Yeah, and Phil Powers is a very particular type of wrestler. I'm not sure I can put... I've seen him a bunch live, and I'm sure you must have as well, right?
0: You know what? I've never seen him, but I would guess, is he someone who'd work like a premier promotions, that sort of uh, less,
1: uh, let A little bit of premier, but he's kind of... I don't know. He's very like crowd pleasing baby face stuff, but like holiday camp baby face. And like, yeah. he's not a guy for the hardcore fan, but he works well for like your average person who goes to a W.A.W. show. Dean Allmark. Yeah, but not <laughs> very as good. sorry, Phil, but not no. as good as Phil. like Dean Allmark has crossover appeal into more yeah. hardcore fans, I think. Yeah. Uh, whereas um, Phil Powers is very much the family crowd. Hmm um i don't think he's a television wrestler particularly not on the on the evidence i've seen so far here yeah um yeah this match was poo <laughs> dog poo you may say
0: dog poo mad dog yeah. poo Um. Uh, so jimmy jim i'll I'll just call it jamelia All right. uh, is in the back with the human egg paul Sloan
1: <laughs> <laughs> before we get into this can i apologize to sophie blake <laughs> yeah because she was much better than Jamila here, who was like, we've just seen your mentor Phil Powers bit mad dog. What influence has he had on your fight? That is legitimately how far she spoke, largely her accent and her exact wording. What influence has he had on your fight? And Sloan, of course, cuts a boring promo in response. He's not very far in. I think they say it's his third match ever. We see on TV. Oh my word! Don't put anybody on TV in their third match.
0: knew we said last time when it like Nikita was like that was first first
1: and second matches. Yeah. Yeah. Again, don't do that either. Crazy. Mm.
0: Um, So um, uh, we're going back now to Dan Belinka in the uh, Crime Watch Studio presenting (laughs) what.
1: He does. He even sounds like a crime watch presenter, doesn't he? I hadn't twigged until now, but you're right.
0: Yeah, I half expect him Kieran saying don't have nightmares.
1: <laughs> Here comes Big Papa T. Don't have nightmares. <laughs>
0: we'll get into him later, big but yeah, oh dear. Um adverts now. Um uh, yes. so we have adverts for unblocking a bog.
1: I gonna say Darth Vader cleans the bog, uh, a fit bollum can help you get an MG, people in a cafe talk to the narrator, have your tarot cards read over the phone for a quid a minute, and here comes Judge Judy.
0: Uh, what's it, motor finance direct, which looks more like a porn ad
1: than a car ad. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um... She's off to seduce a young lad down the tennis club with her, with her great finance deals on an MG.
0: Yeah, uh, sportinglife.com, which is still going nowadays. Is uh, it? Yeah, it is. Still going. Wow. And mystical tarot. Fucking hell. Bet some poor fucker ran that up, didn't they?
1: Probably. Oh, they should have done a gimmick me one of the wrestlers ringing up to find out if he's going to win his match.
0: Well, <laughs> I, I was thinking other things. I'm getting the word Nonce. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. So uh, after the adverts, we're back with Mick, the boot polish, McManus, (laughs) uh, coming out as the UWA chairman. Yeah. I thought this uh, this is like the furthest away interview going.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) He comes out. He doesn't get any further than the stage. So there's a whole ramp that goes down to the ring. He doesn't get any further than the stage. He's accompanied by Kenny McBride and some random woman and he is interviewed by the ring announcer from a distance of no less than 75 feet. What do you think? They should have put, they should have put the mic down and gone, Mick, what do you think about the next match?
0: <laughs> Mick McManus, were you, ever, were you ever a fan of his?
1: Um, I, so I got into wrestling too late for Mick McManus, but he was what my gran and granddad would talk about. My yeah. granddad, by the way, looked a fair bit like Mick McManus down to the hair color. <laughs> that that man, that man died in his late 70s with a full head of black hair. <laughs> um and then I had to shoot some stuff with Mick McManus when I worked for the FWA. Yeah. Because um the guys at the wrestling channel like when they found out he was going to be at um he was sort of nominally FWA commissioner as well. And yeah. I mean the people who were on this show should have realized that that was a bad idea. And when the guys on the wrestling channel found out that he was going to be on that show, they're like, Oh, can you get him to like, do, it would be really great if you can get him to do some, uh, little intro stuff for mm. us. Like just say you're watching the wrestling channel, uh, on sky channel 427. I don't know how many takes I did with him, but he couldn't remember the number and he would keep saying four, seven, two. He couldn't do it. Um, Ironically, the wrestling channel would later move to channel 472, and I don't think they ever used it. <laughs> Should have kept
0: them. Did you keep yeah, them?
1: so I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a full Mick McManus wrestling match.
0: I don't think I have
1: either. No, no. But he's out here. He says uh, if, any, if any wrestler or promoter has any moans, they come to him. He'll sort it out. And his word is law uh, with that many syllables in it. Uh, they also do a quick interview with uh, with him outside the building talking about the exciting matches and the new faces that people are going to see. He doesn't believe a word of it, but having like a legend like that pushing the future of the business is a good idea. I just you think that what he actually said didn't really help the cause.
0: Yeah, I, I would say it's, it's very similar to, you know, rest in peace, Nxt UK, but they brought Johnny's Johnny Saint, didn't they? Yeah, it was like a like a figurehead,
1: and... Yeah, and much like Mick McManus here, he need that like the commissioner needed a mouthpiece to make what he says, what he's allegedly ruling, make sense.
0: Yeah,
1: we'll get to that in episode two.
0: <laughs> so, um, match number two now, too far gone. Yes, uh, which was Steve, was it Steve Morocco?
1: Steve and, Morocco and Paul Terrell
0: And Paul Terrell Paul. Turrell... I've seen
1: both these men live. <laughs>
0: Paul Torelli's the one who sets himself on fire and all that, isn't he? Was he? What? Oh, no, that's Paul think yeah, Paul
1: Travel. No, they are very different wrestlers. Oh,
0: no, I've got, I got the names, Mitchell. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, versus the Death Squad, which was Iron Duke Lynch and Mark Myers with the Tiny Girls from Sheffield.
1: Who the fuck are the Tiny Girls?
0: I don't know cheeky girls before. That I've got time. no
1: idea. So the death squad, the, the, the ring announcer makes a mess of their intro as They come out to a sped up badly edited version of smells like teen spirit accompanied by the tiny girls who appear to be 17 about four foot nine and dressed in pink mini skirts. What are they doing with a nasty boys tribute act? Yeah. Who apparently are the baby faces. If you go by the reaction and then, uh, I called him, I found out he was called Iron Duke Lynch. I called him Blonde Mullet Squad at first. He grabs a mic and says, it's been a long drive from Sheffield. I'm not going to do in the accent because I'll get punched. Uh, uh, and now it's time to teach the Southern boys how to wrestle. And they dub in booze, so now they're the heels. The, I got, I'm not kidding, I got Transatlantic Wrestling Challenge flashbacks during this match.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I said about the knockoff Nirvana for the Death Squad. It was more, less smells like Teen Spirit, more like, smells like Deep Eat. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: It's a bit more, not smells like Teen Spirit, more sprints through Poundland. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, I did mention the serious mullet action on the Death Squad. Some cracking mullets on there. Well,
1: so Mark the Hammer Myers, he sort of has a proto mullet. So it's sort of, a he kind of looks like if Mike Awesome couldn't be bothered to grow out his mullet, whereas yeah. Iron Duke Lynch, like he's fucking, he's just Brian Nobbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks just like Brian Nobbs. Probably um,
0: smells as much as Brian Nobbs.
1: He probably he? does. Um, <laughs> he likes to sell as much as Brian Nobbs. He has to sell an <laughs> Enzo Geary and a drop kick from Terrell, both of which clearly miss.
0: Um, did you get what Matt my, Myers' uh, chokehold were called? The tearjerker.
1: <laughs> oh Christ. <laughs>
0: so it's the one where he literally like throttles them in like uh
1: midair yeah he does like this the great carly tree slam thing isn't it yeah kind of yeah so are does anybody actually make a tag in this match right i'm gonna read i'm just gonna read you my notes yeah go ahead so lynch has to sell these moves which very obviously missed by at least six inches each both partners come in and the big lads flatten the goners Somehow it's now Morocco versus Miles with neither team having make a tag. Um, I wrote that Myers looks and works like he could have been LT Summers' dad. <laughs> Remember him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh too far gone, make a mess of a couple of double teams. The ref refuses to count Terrell's pen big be- pin because he's not the legal man death squad then performed the sheffield hammer which is a terrible looking back suplex moonsault thing for the pin on Terrell, who as i said was not the legal man or he was because he'd never actually tagged out earlier i don't know this was garbage the, that that
0: finisher was like a sliced bread but like the um the person who's should take the slice spread just doesn't fall down and he just falls right over it didn't work did it
1: no they're, they're too big to do it i think they think it's impressive because they're big but they're sort of too big to do it and make it work um yeah this was this was 100 but this would have fitted in with the transatlantic wrestling challenge tag team tournament of two and a half teams
0: yeah yeah it wasn't good Absolutely no. not good, but but I think the Death Squad are going to be pushed as like one of the main like acts.
1: Oh god.
0: <laughs> um, adverts now as we go to bangers and smash, which is bank- which
1: the which the announcer very clearly calls bangers of smash on the advert. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Um, and also um, a sex sexy sexy lad strolls to bed.
1: I, I called her a saucy redubbed strumpet trying to sell us an adjustable bed. It's I clearly a bed for old people that they're trying to sex up.
0: Yeah, like, buddy, um adjustable bed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, burglars and dog racing as yes.
1: well. That promo, God, that promo for the Greyhound racing from Rumford was one of the worst edited things I think I've ever seen. Yeah. It hurt my eyes to watch it.
0: Th- thing is with uh, dog racing. The only time ever really got showed on national TV was the TV trophy on um, a late night sports uh, show called Sports Night on BBC One. Generally, generally, it's just like shunned away on like nondescript channels on um, on Sky. Yeah. They, they do actually have its own um, – it actually has its own channel now, Racing Post Grey on TV. For those, uh, listeners and, uh, and,
1: and, and, and how often do you watch and bet on that? <laughs>
0: To be honest, not really much. Never really bet on dog racing.
1: Mm. But you'll notice he didn't say never, listeners.
0: Yes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, I I bet on fucking everything. Two flies going up a wall. (laughs) wall. Hey, never mind Ivan Tony getting done for his 232 bets over seven years. I've probably done 232 in a month. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) As long as they all come in.
0: Uh, well, um, match for number three now, mm. as we have uh, for the well. What, what's that championship called? The Michinoku. So
1: it's the Michinoku Pro Wrestling British Commonwealth Junior Heavyweight Title.
0: I was thinking, did um, who's it? All this dirt bike kid.
1: Uh quite possibly i think it was also part of uh, the j crown that great sasuke and ultimo dragon held before the wwf realized one of their belts was going to show up on wwe wcw tv and got it pulled
0: so it's one of them belts basically what ultimo dragon had in his uh
1: yeah yeah back- i do believe it's one of those yes
0: and um, so it's tiger mask number 4 this yeah. is uh, jason cross now tiger mask number 4 when i looked up his name um I didn't – it's Yoshihiro Yamazaki, if that's
1: yeah, it's it. The, it's the guy who is still Tiger Master this day in New Japan.
0: Oh, right.
1: He is the man who's had the Tiger Master. So the first one was Satoru Sayama. Then you have Mitsuharu Misawa. The third one was Koji Kanemoto. And the fourth one who was uh, – Michinoku Pro owned the gimmick at this time, and they yep. put uh, this Yamazaki guy under the gimmick. His name was not known for years um and he is still the guy who is tiger mask to this day um he was very bad when he first started yeah he has got better you would hope so after 25 years um but i still don't think he's great the best thing about him is his music and he doesn't have it here because it's a new japan production
0: yeah it's um so it's, it's the longest reigning tiger mask is it yeah basically
1: yeah, yeah cuz sayama took the mask off and then put it back on later
0: right um how how long did the others last like maybe a year or two or
1: uh so um misawa was only a uh, a couple of years maybe three years uh, and he voluntarily unmasked in the middle of a match as as like part of the match like to show that he was going to be serious and be a a proper wrestler and kanamoto i think also might have uh he I think he quite famously hated doing the gimmick, and mm. he also voluntarily, voluntarily unmasked, and then sort of went on to wage war against masked wrestlers in New Japan. Right, um, which I think is quite a cool gimmick. Whereas this guy note to which side his bread is buttered; he's happy to be Tiger Mask, and uh, he's still going today.
0: Probably as well, it's still a marketable thing.
1: Yeah, it? yeah, kids love it. I mean, it was based on a it was based on a manga and an anime. Like it's a, it's a, it's a like Jushin Leiger. It's a character from outside of wrestling that has just become synonymous with wrestling. Is now mostly just a wrestling thing.
0: And mm. uh, Jason Cross, he um, mm. comes out to some Scatman music. I don't know if it was. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's covered in Union Jacks. He's from Wales. Um, he had done a couple of tours with Michinoku Pro. Uh, during which he denied being under the mask of White Bear, despite being under the mask of White Bear.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I I actually got that on my notes. Uh, Jason Mm. Cross, um, he's um, done a lot of work recently in uh, the Knights promotion in WAW. He competed in in the same Rumble as Grant Holt. That year, Grant Holt won the (laughs) WWE Rumble. Um, And and, and as you mentioned, Kieran, uh, wrestled as White Bear, in a uh, yes. Michinoku pro, so yeah, he
1: was
0: a proper seasoned athlete,
1: yeah. And he was one of the guys I, I seem to recall in like the, this like mid to late 90s period who was sort of held up as being like one of the best British workers. Like, you've got a lot of them on on these shows, it's people like him and Doug Williams. And um, I'm blanking on some names here, Johnny uh, Scott would have been one, wouldn't he? Yeah, but Storm's still quite new in his career. Uh, I mean, you would have included uh, Kerry Cabrero shows up next week. He was Mm -hmm. on that list. I mean, even Phil Powers, to some extent, like they were the guys who were kind of keeping the work rate going in the dark days of of British wrestling of the 90s. Yeah. Tiger Mask, however, is uh, the man who delivers the kick tiger suplex, whatever the fuck that is, according to the ring announcer. (laughs) What is a kick tiger suplex?
0: he shakes it it, shakes a leg when he does a german see
1: (laughs) clearly clearly just making it up um what did you think of this match then kieran so this match is um this is by far and away the best thing on this show even though it is just two guys sprinting through all the big moves they can think of in seven minutes and you, and- which isn't atypical for a TV match of 1999 this is entirely in keeping with what you'd see on Raw Nitro and ECW TV yeah Um. Uh, I got a good laugh out of uh, so Cross does this rubbish handspring elbow which uh, clearly Johnny Moss was watching for next year's um, <laughs> Transatlantic Wrestling Challenge he draws a load of boos and a you fucked up chant which Ross claimed is the crowd chanting UWA <laughs>
0: It, it was very similar to Homer Simpson doing a cartwheel when he was a <laughs> yeah. They
1: uh, they they basically just do a load of flying moves backwards and forwards. There's topes and top rope crossbodies, Frankensteiners, and like flips off the apron. They do a. Re- I laugh that they the TV does a replay of some of the flying moves, and each replay has a second camera standing in the way of the move. <laughs> um cross does a northern Lights suplex a michinoku driver he misses a moonsault uh, tiger also misses one but lands on his feet uh, and cross catches him with this really nice sit down power bomb for a near fall uh, tiger comes back with a, a drop kick as cross comes off the middle rope hits his own moonsault and gets the pin um this was a breath of fresh air after the first two dog shit matches and the crowd loved it
0: yeah. I I was when you said it was like 7 minutes long if something even nowadays on AEW was like this I'd be like right four step four stars on the graph. <laughs> oh,
1: one of the one of the issues with dynamite is they don't seem to realize that a good match doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a long match. It does not everything has to go through a break. Jade fucking Cargill matches do not need to go through a break. Um yeah, like, you can do you can do a great sprint in 10 minutes. Yeah. Particularly on TV. And I know the idea is to, like, keep people through the breaks, but I think there are other ways of doing it than just, like, have a match go five minutes longer than it needs to.
0: I think even you can... T- I know it's going off, uh, off kilter here, but um, mm. with AEW, you can easily tell when... We're going to a break because always was someone rolling out to outside and like yeah,
1: big big move on the outside or the heel takes over in a big way i think i sorry i was a bit distracted then i think it was a massive flash of lightning outside oh god yes there was i just heard the thunder
0: <laughs> Ooh. boom boom
1: I have no idea if the noise reduction in my microphone uh, took that out, but there was just a huge roll of thunder that made my floorboard shake. So if we get cut off in the middle of this, it means lightning has struck my power supply.
0: <laughs> it, it, it weren't Johnny Storm coming through your front door, was it? It's a thunderstruck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Kieran. Long time see. Um <laughs> So uh, what did you make of this, this sprint?
0: Um, I thought it was very good, this really mm. enjoyed it the, 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 something that the a, a few wrestlers do on the on these uh, matches is the cactus jack roll to the outside
1: oh yeah so it's it's more commonly called the liger flip you mean not you mean off the apron yeah 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 Yeah, it's more it's yeah i can see why you're going for cactus jack it's, it's generally kind of accepted as being more of like a like a jushin liger move um but yeah it, it happens it happens on this show and it happens on the next episode as well
0: and also like the um the great like Tolpe that um Tiger Mask four does. It's very similar to I'm trying to think, someone does it on um AEW, which is much, it's like a bullet. Yeah. Where they just go like head first into the actual opponent. Yeah. Fucking that. To be honest, it's probably it is probably the best match we will see over these two episodes.
1: Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah even though it was like it was entirely bereft of any sort of selling or psychology it's just a bunch of big moves but again it's 1999 wrestling tv and that is what is good on 1999 wrestling tv and apart from like cross's uh terrible handspring elbow like it's all pretty well executed as well
0: yeah um so next so we have a grand n- naniwa interview which is basically shouty shouty i'm the strongest
1: yeah so he uh, he, i i wrote grand nanua promo sort of Uh, a japanese man in a suit introduces him nanua blasts the camera with some japanese and his mate says he's not just the strongest in japan but he's the strongest in the world and he is going to wrestle kerry cabrero next week
0: yeah so they actually announced then a 10-man tv title tournament which Um, is
1: actually a gauntlet match
0: which is actually in a goal match. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, so here, here are the competitors. It's uh, Phil Powers, Doug Williams, Paul Sloan, Johnny Storm, Mad Dog McPhee, Kerry Cabrero, Christopher Daniels, Danny Royal, Big Papa T and Stevie Knight.
1: And oh my God, do I ever want to see Chris Daniels try and wrestle Big Papa T? More on him in a minute. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well what's this coming down the high street like Richard Ashcroft in the bittersweet symphony uh, <laughs> video?
1: Yeah. Imagine an SM version of the bittersweet symphony video. It's just some bloke in a gimp mask going to the news agent. It's so weird.
0: <laughs> the thing, the thing is, and I, I know, I think yourselves uh, spoke about this to me and uh, Chris Wilson has, mm. and Linnea has mm. about this big Papa T character. and, I've never seen him before till this moment. And I was like, it's a fucking bloke in a gimp mask.
1: Yeah. So according to my, it would have been a long time ago, but according to my YouTube history, I have watched like the first seven or eight episodes of this before. I just don't, it was so long ago. I don't remember much about it. If anything, Um, I mostly remember the people who were on it rather than any of the matches uh, or uh, any of the stories or anything like that. Um, Yeah. Another ad break. Uh, Join the army. Sporting life. Uh, a terribly cheap ad for Loot magazine. I remember Loot. Did you I get remember
0: loot? loot. I probably got that on my um, dinner time at high yeah. school. I'd, yeah, always I'd, go, probably... I'd always go for the Loot and the auto trader just for
1: something to... I <laughs> probably, probably got a telly out the back of Loot in 2001. Uh, a posh man in an office of pure mahogany implores you to call him if you've been in an accident that wasn't your fault. Uh, and a... Cheap and incomprehensible show called No Tomorrow, which I didn't understand at all. It was basically an angel touches someone on the shoulder and he goes and confesses to a woman that he's always loved her rather than her sister or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it all looked like it was shot on camcorders by my friends.
0: I bet her belly was a roaring success on live TV.
1: Of all of the ads for shows that we have seen for uh, on all of the ads we have seen for other shows on live TV, none of them look as well-produced as the wrestling show. Correct. This looks like a proper, te- a, a not particularly high-budget show, but it looks like a proper television show, whereas everything else looks like it was shot on camcorders by amateurs.
0: Yeah. Uh, one thing I was thinking even last night, you know the uh, rumour that World of Sport could be coming back. <laughs> Please No. With uh, Magnus and uh, uh, what's he called, Nick Aldis and Mickey James being mm. contacted about it, and my fir- m- my first comment to people was, "I hope to Christ, ITV don't get it. I hope it's something similar to what UWA is in the in the late 90s. <laughs> so, because th- this, I think this presentation of what wrestling should be on television, like Brit Britwrest. Mm makes a much better TV product than what ITV, which we've discussed before, which ITV. Yeah,
1: yeah. I only made it through one episode of World of Sport. We are not doing that when we finish this, I'm telling you. (laughs) No. No. We're
0: not not suffering through that one, Kieran. Don't you worry.
1: Good.
0: Match number four now, as we're back with Big Papa T. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Rebecca. Now, uh, Big Papa T is a former bodyguard to the president of Congo.
1: Apparently so. Also a former executioner, allegedly. Um, he wears head-to-toe black spandex, one glove and a gimp mask. He's accompanied by someone just called Rebecca. As you said, he has an entrance laser show that depicts someone being decapitated. He has a silly walk and he comes out to It's Like That by Run DNC. Oh, most importantly, he's a fucking terrible wrestler. <laughs> his he, unfortunate he like opponent. A, he,
0: he, he looks like he's walking like um, a bushwhacker, or he's just shat himself.
1: He looks like a bushwhacker that's got a concussion. That's what he <laughs> walks like. <laughs> Especially later on. He does this weird thing in the match. Uh, his opponent is Mark Sloan. Yes. The referee, I believe, is Mo Chatra.
0: All right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so everybody was getting in on this. Uh, T, uh, T shoves Sloan out of a couple of lockups and does like that, that weird walk I was talking about, which I just realized I broke down. He looks like he's drunkenly challenging someone to a fight on a ferry in a thunderstorm. <laughs> it, he walks sideways and sort of like flails one arm up in the air. It like, it's like he's trying to start a new dance craze that's definitely not going to catch on.
0: He also did a dab as well. Did he? Yeah, he did he did a bit of dabbing and, the, and and what's it the next person to come out to it's like that by run DMC was Dean Olmark who also incorporated dabbing into his act. Maybe well.
1: it was a big Papa T, uh tribute. Uh the Papa no sells a bunch of Sloan strikes, hits the bastard child of a belly to belly suplex and bossman slam which just basically dumps poor Sloan on his side, uh hits a low leg drop and then a badly applied, applied Texas cloverleaf for the win he's one of the most bizarre wrestlers I think I've ever seen. Yeah. And according to Steve Morgan, this former executioner is a great entertainer. The kids love the kind of thing we need more of and a great advert for the sport of wrestling. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs>
0: <laughs> fuck me. Uh, two minutes.
1: Two minutes. We've got 17 more episodes of this idiot. <laughs> <laughs> two, two
0: minutes here it was like, what the fuck is this dance and um, a fucking laugh.
1: <laughs> I don't know what it was. Oh, so to get away from that, Jamila interviews uh, Paul uh, Phil Powers backstage, and all I wrote was, "This gets very Essex very quickly." Hello, Paul. You're alright. All right, Jamila. You're all right. Uh, Jamila, you all right? <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: dear. Ah. Oh. Oh christ uh, so next the next match um our main paul, event paul sloan versus uh johnny storm
1: uh ah, and here it is it, it, pointing it, it, out of Dagenham in the south Thor of england weighing a train stopping 225 pounds ready or not here's paul sloan i had to pause the show what the fuck was that <laughs> ready or not and then he comes out to ready or not by the fugees
0: it's a full-blown trance version as well it
1: must it must have been a joke like calling him ready or not because he wasn't fucking ready to be in a wrestling ring
0: and even i'll tell you what's taking the piss train stopping 220 yeah
1: (laughs) what train are you stopping a hornby
0: (laughs) oh fuck me and out comes the man with the thunderbolt, Johnny Stone. Yes.
1: That's yeah. Right <laughs> you called, you called him the human egg, but Paul Sloan appears to be completely hairless, charismaless, and very shiny. Like, <laughs> he looked like someone has stretched a condom over him. Like a
0: fucking uh, one half of the Johnsons from uh, a... <laughs> yes. TNA.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Johnny Storm comes out. The man with the thunderbolt uh, comes out to ACDC's Thunderstruck. He speeds into the ring, straight into a press slam, and a clothesline that takes him back out of the ring. He might as well have not bothered.
0: Fucking hell. <laughs> um, so, like, halfway through the match, old Mad Dog McPhee gets involved, here. And this yeah, is Mad... this Go is on. very similar to a transatlantic wrestling challenge. <laughs>
1: What, there's a shit match happening and someone's shit comes and interferes. <laughs> yeah. We've got to have a
0: yeah. tag team match. Hola, hola, player, player.
1: Yeah. Uh, Linsky and Mad Dog come out to ringside as as Sloan hits a spear in which he also uses his head.
0: Yeah.
1: If he hit that on anyone bigger than Johnny Storm, he'd have broken his own neck. No chance uh, of Big Papa T. No. Oh, I want to see him try. Uh, oh, God. I hope they don't end up wrestling each other in the. <laughs> in the gauntlet fuck Um, so uh, Mad Dog prevents the three count Storm misses a frog splash Mad Dog whacks Sloan over the head with a can of Vimto or whatever it was and Storm gets the pin with his feet on the ropes uh, yet another terrible match yeah
0: a, a sim- similar similar pattern because the last match of the the shows for the Transatlantic Wrestling Challenge were all bad words.
1: yeah yeah Uh, after the match, the heels beat up on Sloan until Phil Powers runs out and sends them packing with a tope over the top. Well, he just about clears the top rope and they replay that over and over again.
0: It it, it was, it wasn't undertaker S, were it, onto um, Jimmy Snooker's son? (laughs) No, it
1: wasn't. Um, So, uh... Oh, hang on, we got to go back to Dan in the studio, and he plugs Stevie Knight versus Doug Williams, Chris yeah. Daniels versus Danny Royal, Grand Naniwa versus Kerry Cabrero for next week, all of which have to be better than the shite on this show. Uh, and then we go back to Jamila with Mick McManus. Quite a situation we got here, Mick. Well, not really. We'll have a tag match, and we'll do it right here next week. He just underplays everything. Yeah. There's four blokes fighting in the ring. Mick, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Tag <laughs> match. Tag match, yeah, yeah. Teddy and, McManus, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. And uh, Dan Bulinker signs off for the night. Don't have nightmares. <laughs> as uh, as as Big Papertee's like <laughs> drilled into all the kids' heads for the yeah. evening. <laughs> Mommy, Daddy wants Big tea, God, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, episode two now. Oh God.
1: Well, as you've lost the the will to live, we start with a recap of the finish of Storm versus Sloan and the post match shenanigans from last week. I'm probably going to get a punch, but I'm going to do the accent. They so the the opening titles of this show, right, are are just random wrestling action. I, I would imagine shot at that other UWA show. It's all like. St- stylized out of focus with just like a cutout of the word of the of UWA strongly across it. I swear the last shot of it is someone getting punched in the balls, but for some reason, over episode two, a bloke goes, Want to see some heavy stuff? We're gonna beat you. What? Who are you? Are you threatening to beat up your own audience?
0: <laughs> I think this was, um, I think it was a death squad,
1: it might have been. Yeah. But they show it over a shot of uh, of McFee to make it look like him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I got that as well. You, you hey up, you want to see every stuff? We're gonna beat you.
1: Yeah, in a, yeah.
0: In a, in a in a broad Yorkshire accent. Um, so so, so um, we return to Dan Belinker, who's back in the police van, welcoming welcoming <laughs> us uh, to the action. It's like some undercover operation, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh dear Um,
1: Wrestling could have done with some undercover police Over the last five years or so
0: Yes Uh, Match (laughs) number one Um, Hot Stuff Stevie Knight with Sarah Versus The Anarchist Doug Williams with Steve Linsky Which um, doesn't end up happening
1: Well so I have several Before we even get to that I have several notes Uh, Knight of course comes out to Donna Summer Because he's called Hot Stuff odd
0: stuff
1: yep. Yeah, um he's accompanied by sarah why do all the women just have plain one word names it's not <laughs> like it's not even like here's diamond here is chastity it you know the the standard like american wrestling stripper names they would give women at this point it's just like here's jane here's polly here's mary here's shirley Yeah, exactly. How how, how
0: comes a big daddy tribute
1: at? Uh, Steve Morgan claims that Sarah is Knight's little sister as he gives her a kiss on the cheek, which I thought was quite funny. And Kenny McBride, who is now on commentary, uh, claims Knight is an athletic innovator. And I was like, what? The Stevie Knight I worked with got over on character, wit and charisma. He was not a moves guy by any stretch of the imagination. I
0: I think, um, like... We've seen Stevie Knight on this. i probably got that um, vibe as well, Kieran. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, because he's the anarchist, Williams is, of course, out of anarchy in the UK, and this was the point where I realised everybody must have been named after a popular song they could have as their music. Heal Williams gets a pop. Uh, and then Linsky and his terrible accent come out and tell Doug he doesn't want him wrestling this match. Stevie Knight isn't good enough. Uh, and he wants Williams to be saved for Christopher Daniels. If Doug wrestles this match, he won't get paid, apparently. Uh,
0: I, think, I think here as well, Steve Linsky's uh, sort of morphing into uh, Peter K.
1: <laughs> Pull off into paradise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, Linsky persuades Knight not to get in the ring and we go to a split screen of Mick McManus and a random woman and a very young, very thin Jodie Flash appears with long hair yeah. and begs Mick to take Doug's place uh, uh, and the boss agrees and the random woman turns out to be Scottish and very boring and says, I'll go let everybody know what's happening. He was also called Jodie Flash. Yes, he was. Yeah. Wait, it, it, to it, be it, honest... Is a slightly better name, yeah. Um, than Jody looked, German Meat.
0: <laughs> he looked bloody young, didn't he? He does. Had, he
1: is 19.
0: To, I had to take a double take, like,
1: fucking hell. <laughs> it is unmistakably him. He's 19, he's been wrestling three years. Stevie and I is perpetually 45 and has been wrestling for 55 years. <laughs> I am shocked, given everybody else's music, that Jody didn't come out to flash. Uh... Should have done, yeah, yeah. Three months after this, Jody would cut his hair and do his first tour with Michinoku Pro, which would give us the massively racist Dukko Chan gimmick. Have you ever seen that mask?
0: Never. Duk- okay.
1: What's he called? Dukko Chan, and it's, it's, it's effectively it's sort of the it's kind of like Japanese slang, kind of meaning cute dark boy. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, and the mask looks like a black pop. It is fucking racist. D-A-K-K-O-Chan. I can, D-A-K-K-O-Chan. I can see you looking at K-K-O.
0: D-A-A-K-O-Chan. Mitch and Close enough. Um, what, what what do you think of this match anyway Kieran
1: <laughs> so um, this is so this is very weird so Knight kind of comes out of some sort of baby face but he's now the heel against Jody uh, we get a split screen interview with Jamila and Mick where Mick says Doug's decision is entirely up to him but he's got to wrestle the American guy if he beats him he's in the 10 man tournament if he doesn't he has to wrestle number one two three and so on and then Kenny on commentary immediately has to clarify this by saying he means if Doug wins, he enters the tournament as the, the gauntlet as the last man. And if he loses to Daniels, he enters as number one. Why air that promo? If Mick has made a mistake, why not just have Dan Belinka say Mick McManus has made a ruling after Steve Linsky was a twat earlier on, right? That's how you cover for this stuff. Mm -hmm. It was very weird. Um, so Jody does a couple of flips, gets repeatedly suplexed to death. And I have to take back what I said about Knight earlier on because he's really moving here and he's uncorking suplexes, power bombs. And his finisher is the Night driver, which is a sit out face first electric chair drop for the pin. Yeah. Um, bait and switch followed mostly by a squash, still better than four out of five matches from last week.
0: I think to two minutes here, Stevie Nicks a pretty good worker and also an entertaining squash. He, he like took Jody around in it properly. Yeah,
1: I think he figured out that he didn't have to. I he he went into retirement for a bit. I'm pretty sure, and he kind of figured out that he didn't have to do all this stuff to get over, and that he was funny. Mm. Uh, and that's what kind of like got him over as a heel and as a babyface later on when he came back yeah did you find the duckcco Chan mask
0: yeah all I can think is uh mammy
1: it's not good is it yeah it only uh it only sort of lasted one tour, and I think even on that tour he was also wrestling unmasked as jody flash he was definitely jody flash when he went back later in the year did
0: did the did the um do a lot of like um mass gimmicks over there was it so, a popular, popular thing like
1: yeah so michinoku pro came out of lucha libre a lot of the guys from michinoku wrestled in mexico and then they came back and set up their own promotion and the style was called j lucha and they mm. were doing i don't i assume you've seen things like ecw barely legal barely where they had the they have the Michinoku six man on it. Uh, I've just, uh, a uh, quick plug. I've just done a podcast talking about one of the matches from big egg wrestling universe, which is the biggest Japanese women's show of all time. That wasn't all women's matches that had a guest six man from Michinoku pro on it. So like 94 to 97, they were a hot product, like a hot niche, hardcore product. Um, and, uh, Because it was based on Lucha, they had a lot of mask gimmicks. So Tiger Mask, if you think about Tiger Mask, Sasuke, Naniwa, Super Delphin, Mm. uh, all of those guys come from Michinoku Pro. And every year, they would have a tournament called the World Masked Man Tournament, which is why Jody had put the Dako-chan mask on, why um, Jason Cross was white Bear, And Dirt Bike Kid also quite infamously did the World Masked Man Tournament, as the dirt bike kid and just wore the lower half of the the mask.
0: Yeah, yeah, just like a snob yeah.
1: sort of Yeah, thing. and then took it off before the match because he didn't want to be masked and Sasuke kicked the piss out of him. Fucking hell. It's really funny. Um, I bet he never
0: wrestled uh, yeah. again for him as well after that. You yeah. know, like, a, it, it, obviously, sign of disrespect and...
1: Mm. Yeah. So yeah, because it because it comes out of the, because the root is in lucha. Like it, there's a, there was a lot of uh, mask gimmicks on uh on on Michinoku shows.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. No. No. Like I said, entertaining squash. This one. Yeah. Um, as we go into the adverts for uh, Body Tech, you remember yes. them things where you just. I, You know, as a a silly, like, teenager, I always thought, like, if you put them on, you instantly lose, like, a stone or two.
1: (laughs) That'd be nice, wouldn't it? That'd be nice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I was comparing this to the ones you can get today. Like, this thing was, like, 250 quid, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1999 money, you had to plug it into the mains and it was it looked like it came in a fucking suitcase like the ones you can get today like uh like have rechargeable batteries they're only about 50 pounds or 100 pounds or whatever um yeah it just it looked like you were setting yourself up to just basically electrocute yourself yeah um
0: you can also win FA Cup FA, FA Cup tickets from Danny Kelly and yes. there's also uh, lie detectors which um, lie
1: detector and more ambulance chasing lawyers
0: Lie detectors um <laughs> being advertised during a wrestling show. <laughs> <of Rick> wrestling.
1: <laughs> I hadn't even thought of the irony of that. Is it fake? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Jesus Christ. Um, Jamelia in the back uh, supposedly wants to um, set, uh, get her hands on the fallen angel Christopher Daniels with
1: her... Yep, he is the best promo of the show so far And he's not even trying This wasn't even a good Chris Daniels promo And he's left everybody else who's held the microphone in the dust
0: And this is basically the era where he could have been The higher
1: power <laughs> That is such a ridiculous idea, isn't it? Like, it was who is this awesome... fucking nobody from the indies? Well, he
0: was doing metal then <laughs>
1: Fine, that's even worse. Who is this jobber from Metal?
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, they could have got key as well. He were also doing Metal at the time.
1: The higher power. <laughs> it's me, Austin. It was me all along.
0: That is... Oh, you nailed the voiceovers today, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> Um Chris Daniels... Um, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably a 15-year vet at this stage.
1: <laughs> I was just looking. The earliest match I can find for Chris Daniels is April 1993. So he's six years in at this point. Jesus Christ. Yeah.
0: 30, 30, yeah, 30 years next year. So yep. he's, yeah, he's got he's to be doing a 30-year 30, 30 tour,
1: hasn't he? It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, he wrestled a month ago. Like He's 52, I think. Yeah, 52. Um yeah. always been a consummate professional. Like he's one of those guys you can you can always rely on to have a good match with anybody. He will make anybody look as good as he can and get himself over at the same time. He just knows how to do it.
0: When I saw him at one uh, PW the other month uh, against Karen Wah, even mm. though he you can tell like his knees are knees are shot, um, mm. he, he still he still had a very good one of the best matches on the card.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Um. So, match number two now. Kerry Cabrero versus Gran Naniwa. Um. Kerry Cabrero. Um. Have a, got a bit of backstory on him, Kieran.
1: I always remember him being highly touted at this time. Like mm. as I said, like Doug Williams and um, some of the other guys, he was one of the people like keeping work rate up in, in the dark days of the British wrestling in the nineties, he was in the semi main event of the first show I ever went to going to a double DQ with Danny Royal <laughs> in what I'm pretty sure was advertised as a hardcore weapons match. It, it, um, it,
0: it, was, it was in the main event of your, The uh, main
1: thing. event of that show was Sabu versus dirt Bike kid versus Mikey whipwreck.
0: Oh God. I bet yeah. Sabu were chucking chairs, weren't
1: it? Well, they went home 10 minutes early because there were no guardrails. Fans all surrounded the ring like WXW style and were pounding on the mat. And basically Sabu shit himself and decided that he didn't want any part of this. Right. I also remember Dirt Bike Kid got hit on the back of the head by a flying melon thrown by somebody in the crowd.
0: Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's security.
1: So they had a fans bring the weapons match. One guy turned up with a VCR and somebody else turned up with a fully decorated three foot Christmas tree.
0: The the, the only thing I've seen strange brought for for fans bring the weapons match, like, buddy, uh, oh no, it was a Lego match. Fans bring the Lego and uh, they brought like a Lego dildo. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that sounds
1: like one of the, God. Even if used for its intended purpose, that's one of the most painful things. Yeah, Never mind it a was, weapon.
0: It, it was uh, Adi Star versus JD Boom, and like JD Boom was a terrible wrestler, but the the with with the weapons and everything and all that were going on, it i it were a fucking laugh. I think that yeah. what was it now at Progress where they did was it. Oh, sorry to say his name jimmy abac and paul robinson where someone
1: brought like a grandfather clock i was at that match yeah, yeah. somebody brought a grandfather clock yeah i th- have i mentioned on this show before i used to be the weapons buyer for the fwa in like you 2003 yeah. yeah yeah and weapons that i contributed to matches included uh my old playstation 2 uh my old vcr that nearly killed uh raj Ghost when uh Ulf Herman just casually threw it over his shoulder out the ring, and it missed Raji's head, who was crawling around on the floor by less than an inch. Um, what else? Uh, Dreamcast keyboards that were two for a pound in uh, Poundland, and the famous garden gnome that got smashed over the bollocks of solid gold Scott Parker.
0: <laughs> I bet you got some looks when you went to the bloody local B and Q. Oh,
1: they—they well, they don't care. Like, what are they? What do the people in B and Q care? I'm just giving them money.
0: Mm, a garden gnome barbed wire i'm
1: giving, <laughs> giving them money up. and then trying to claim it back off alex shane that was the hard part
0: <laughs> that was an hardcore match in itself yeah you lost by submission every time probably with alex <laughs> <Shane>. <laughs> uh this this match um well steve steve morgan on commentary says oh no not another jap in panto
1: yeah this was where i wrote fucking hell morgan you racist prick yeah and he does it at the end of the match as well we'll get to that but yeah like come on Why is there a topless child in the front row did you see that
0: i didn't see the topless child no
1: when cabrero comes out he's sort of he's sort of slapping hands and sort of like being the bad guy and there's this like topless nine-year-old in a pair of red trousers like leaning over the barricade trying to get where are your parents where is your shirt young man
0: he weren't like tango man's son or something (laughs)
1: this this
0: match i would say very similar to the um, tiger Mask match Um, yeah kind of it was
1: yeah it was like the the power sprint like that one um so Nanao was playing the cowardly heel but he was much better as being an underdog babyface. Like in Japan there's a type of match that was named after him which is the Nanao style elimination match. Right. Which is the pin submission or over the top rope variation they do in New Japan main events a lot. And it's because of how he performed in a Michinoku Pro one where he was like this lone little crab left against four dastardly heels and he almost wins. Um yeah, I was a big Grand Aniwa fan who, unfortunately, he died in 2018, I think, at the age of 32.
0: Jesus.
1: Yeah, so he was like a teenage sensation. He was main eventing Michinoku Pro Cards at the age of 16. Fine. Yeah, he was He was really good. You don't get to see much of it here, unfortunately, because it's not the ideal environment for him. But, like, I think he does okay as a heel. Um He's uh he targets the arm, he does the the rope walk into a chop, which was not an Undertaker move, it was a uh Jinsei's Jinzaki move who had become a Kushi. Yeah, Yeah, so that he's doing like his Michinoku friends move. Um he has more character than the rest of the roster combined so far, just in his body language. Um he's like, he's on top with the rough tactics. He does a headbutt to the balls. He does his famous crab walk elbow that I think, um, Martin. Uh, Kirby. Yes. I was going to say, I couldn't remember his name for a second. Martin Kirby took off. Yeah. That's, a, that's a yeah. grand nano attribute. Um, Kerry comes back with chops. He backdrops grand nano to the floor and he hits this huge running dive off a chair in the ring to the floor that gets two replays and a massive pop out of the crowd. Like that's your ECW move of the night. Yeah. Um, he also throws Nana into the front row, but we don't get to see what happens because the replays play over the top of it. Uh, and when we come back, Nanawa, he, he's <coughs> wanging Kerry into the post and he's jabbing at him with a chair and then does a top rope dive. Uh, what happens? They go back inside. Uh, they fuck up and then repeat a, char- a corner charge spot, ending with Kerry gets his foot up in Nanawa's face and then he hits the sky high, which they call a flatliner for the pin. Dated now, but this would have been hot stuff at the time. Hmm. I still enjoyed it, but that's because I'm a Nanoa fan. Like, he's always been somebody I've liked since the since I first saw him in the early 90s. It's,
0: it's one of them I've heard of, I'd heard of the name, mm. but I don't recollect seeing many of his matches. I might have seen, he like, was. one or two. Was he, was he in WWF?
1: No, I don't think so. He was supposed to be in, uh, as part of that barely legal Michinoku six-man. Right. But he was, so he was on that tour, but uh, he was sick and yeah. had to be replaced by uh, Masato Yakashiji, the little guy who looked like Link from Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He debuted in 93 and would have been, let me have a look here. Uh, debuted in 1993 and, yeah, would have been about 16 years old, which is crazy. And then like, like a year or so after that he was he was in the main event six months because he could keep up with what all the other guys were doing.
0: That's so so in here it would have been about twenty twenty two, wouldn't it? Yep. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then as I said, he, unfortunately he died in uh, uh, twenty ten uh, from a heart attack. Mad. Yep. Mad. No idea. Uh,
0: i i was gonna ask um so, so with the, you know with these shows like tiger mass 4 coming over and grand and iwa mm. um it's in terms of like british shows there was nothing as big big on this level
1: i don't it? think so i don't think so like i wasn't uh i wasn't watching much wrestling at all at this point no. um uh, let alone going to british shows no i had been to Jesus, I think I'd been to a grand total of two live shows at this point, and one of those was one night only, which wasn't really a British wrestling show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably only been to, in by 99, one, one show, Mayhem in Manchester. Mm. That's about it.
1: Yeah. So they shake hands afterwards, and uh, fucking Steve Morgan says, Emperor Hirohito, Yoko Ono, Ken Holm, your boy took one hand of a beating. Ken Hom is Chinese, you fucking racist prick.
0: Ken who was on um, fucking uh, I think Channel. I think he ended up on Channel Five and BBC Two. There were also really? the other one, Nancy Lam. You remember? Oh, her? really?
1: Oh, I think I remember her.
0: Yeah, it was like the crazy cook. As yeah, well. she was brilliant, Nancy Lam. But I did put I did put with Steve and on commentary. He's very football
1: commentator like. He sounds a yeah, he's got the Jonathan Pierce thing, hasn't he? Yes. Like that and that was a Nasal. very that was a very kind of like the standard commentator voice of the late nineties, early two thousands.
0: Like nasally once fancies herself as like a bit of a shock jock. Yeah. Sort of yes. thing. So um adverts now. We have the paint partner.
1: Which appears to be some plastering gear with uh sponges attached to it.
0: Yeah, I think everyone had a paint partner back in the uh, the late nineties. I do. Um, it's my mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have phone bar dating.
1: Um, <laughs> I must have missed that one.
0: And um, the house party hotline as well. Oh, I saw that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, a quid a minute to talk to other lonely losers who are watching a wrestling show. Yeah.
0: Uh, hey, you know what? I've I've reached some depths with dating, but I've never fancied uh, the house party hotline <laughs> What the fuck? And my, my house party hotline was probably rapid race line for the re, uh, for the results from Chepstow um, <laughs> this week on Agony. Ah, Mandy's right, too much for Steve. Find out this week on Agony.
1: This appears to. Am I right in thinking this is Agony Aunt columns kind of acted out badly?
0: yeah i hope it's um presented by dear deirdre
1: and i was trying to work out when you could actually see this show because it never told you a day it just told you it's on at 1 p.m five and seven this week so is that showing four times a day every day yes because that seems
0: nuts that's taking up the old schedule i wonder what this well you've got yeah, to There's food. nothing else left darts weather and uh wrestling, rest, wrestling <laughs> and that weird match.
1: show with the angel who makes you confess your love to your girlfriend's sister <laughs>
0: hey talk, 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 talking of angels um match number three now the fallen <laughs> angel christopher daniels faces um one of the other royal brothers danny royal
1: yeah, I, I thought you were going to say, talking of angels, it's Anne-Marie Foss from Live TV. I, did, I completely forgotten that Christopher Daniels was called The Fallen Angel.
0: Good linkage. Um, yeah. Anne-Marie from Live TV. Um, no
1: idea who she is.
0: I, I have absolutely no idea either.
1: Nope, she does. Uh, so Morgan makes a sex- sexist joke, obviously. Uh, she's our guest ring announcer, and he, she clearly didn't practice getting into the ring in a mini dress and heels earlier on. Uh, And she's rubbish. She announces Danny Royale versus Christopher Daniels.
0: (laughs) Putting the accent on the end like um, Buddy pissing the door out of a hello, hello. (laughs) Good mooning?
1: Yeah, I don't know what Christopher Daniels' music is, but it's not good. And through this sound system, it sounds like karaoke bleeding through from the pub next door. It sounds like Vic Reeves is singing it. Um
0: so yeah Danny Royale is a hundred hundred percent British beef um, the Burger King big Royale uh,
1: <laughs> the Royale with cheese
0: uh, so So um we we have Doug Williams seen at ringside looking at his opponent for next week and also here in this match the referee is Tiger McGuigan.
1: Who now, is Tiger McGuigan?
0: Right. So, Tiger McGuigan Senior, who's the referee here, well, his son, Tiger McGuigan Junior, would go on to run 4GW and is also on the uh, problematic list from speaking out, allegedly.
1: Great news. Any relation to Barry? I was trying to guess from the moustache.
0: No. No. Uh, the thing was at the time when we always seen like Tiger McGuigan Jr.'s name on, it was like, who the fuck was Tiger McGuigan Sr.? And now <laughs> once he's popped up on this show, I actually know now who he is. So uh that, that sort of put the that um, question to to bed. Anyway, back to Chris Christopher Daniel's, this is Danny Royale. <laughs>
1: They, the commentary does have a good line where Kenny goes, I was talking to Daniels in the back, Stephen. I th- phoned him thoroughly obnoxious. And Morgan immediately goes, deadpan, in the back of what? Yeah. <laughs> Which got a chuckle out of me. Um, yeah, it's sort of like pretty simple stuff. Uh, I don't think Royal is very experienced. Uh, I've just looked him up on Cage Match he would have been going about three years at this point. And quite worryingly, the match I saw him in, in Walthamstow is my first ever show, uh, is his first match listed on cage match. Uh, so hmm, we will see, uh, if he gets any better. Uh, yeah, they do like Daniels does simple stuffs and shows off <laughs> like, cause he's the heel, uh, Royal makes a comeback with simple stuff, uh, and like, like a press slam, um, Daniels does a moonsault off the middle rope in which he mostly connects with only his goatee. Uh, Royal gets his foot up in the corner, hits a German suplex, lariat, delayed vertical suplex and what would become the Bubba Bomb, but commentary have never seen it before. Uh, Daniel gets his feet, Daniels gets his feet on the ropes. Royal argues with the ref over the count and ends up in an angel's wings followed by the last rights for the pin. Basic but well executed TV wrestling. Mm Uh, Royal is up much too quickly after taking both of Chris Daniels' finishes. I thought
0: he was like Royal Warrior Hart, weren't it? <laughs> yes, like <laughs> fuck <roop. this>. yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: um, I have expected the best moonsault
1: ever here. I don't think he does that yet, right? I don't think that's become part of his part of his Arsenal yet. Right. Well, I haven't seen much like pre 2001 Christopher Daniels. So I, I think I first saw him, like, uh, at the beginning of Ring of Honor and the beginning of TNA, because that was all kind of starting up at the same time, and he yeah. was all over both of those. Yeah. And then, of course, I've seen tons, like, since. Like, he did, like, loads of FWA stuff. He did he one was, PW, as you said, over here. Uh, he was always in this country. I used to know how much you could, uh, how much it cost to get him. I bet it's not the same these days. Um, and then, of course...
0: Shall we play higher or lower?
1: <laughs> i'll tell you off air um okay. yeah uh like he is quite cl- even at this point he's quite clearly the best wrestler on this show mm. i think
0: yeah could tell you could tell easily couldn't you apart from yeah. the uh mitchinoku pro lads he was well
1: there. i don't know he's certainly better than tiger mask uh i don't know about anywhere at this point
0: Hmm. I, I I'd like to see the are, well are they are they all in the 10 man thing
1: together? no they're not so tiger mask no. and naniwa were only over for this taping and they well, only did their their one match each and it was very clearly tiger mask gets to beat jason cross for the belt and then another brick gets to beat naniwa
0: yeah I'm just waiting. Like I said earlier, Christopher Daniels was his big papa T,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Or Mad Dog McPhee or Paul Sloan, like any other shit ones who are in there. <laughs> Good luck, um, Good luck,
0: yeah.
1: Chris. Uh Linsky is being interviewed by Jamila. So, Steve, your team's really busy at the moment, uh, and he stooges off that McPhee's first name is Stuart. Well done, Steve. Good work. Ads.
0: Yeah, not and not much to write down here. Actually, nothing written down because I think there was a very much a repeat of uh, the. Yeah, no. Book. If
1: I've if I've seen them if I've seen them before, I skip through them
0: Yeah, Judge Judy. That was always a popular one.
1: Yeah, uh, she must have done good ratings for them, I guess. Like it's a big American TV show. She was
0: always on ITV as well. They'd always show her in the afternoon, like a block Aaron. of Judge Judy and Springer. Yay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, match number four now. And your main event for this show. Yeah. Uh, which they is.
1: Play, they show lots of replays of all the story leading into it. So, like, I, this is something I think they do a really good job of, actually, is like they are constantly reminding you of what has happened and what is leading up to the thing you're about to watch. Yeah. Which I think is really good. And the if thing It's not is... a video, it's Dan Belinka, like, sitting in the spy van.
0: He's very good as a link up, man.
1: Yeah, he is. He
0: um, is. so um as he play the video package to uh My Way by Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you think you can wrestle, you can't <laughs> <laughs> um
0: Mad Dog McPhee and Johnny Storm versus Phil Powers and the human
1: egg, Paul Sloan. Who has lost the E off the end of his name on his graphic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you, well, you you think they could well they would have distinguished between him and Mark. One's got yeah. one hasn't? Yeah. What do you think of this match? Um, I, I did put in Mad Dog. Um, looks terrible in his bed sheet of a t-shirt. It looks <laughs> like a nightdress.
1: Well, don't forget. So this is the this is the era where baggy t-shirts and baggy jeans are fashionable. Mm. So it's not like like form fitting was not a thing. Like. Like, uh, slim cut was not a thing at this point. Your shirts were big, your trousers were big in this era. The skinny jean had not been invented, especially not for men at this point.
0: I, th- I think back in 1999, I was still having um R. Jeff's hand me downs. <laughs> so, I'll I tell, I tell you what, he had some interesting shirts in the uh, the late 90s. <laughs> I, 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 he had um, bloody hell. A brown and green, like a bit, a bit like an Hawaiian shirt, and I remember, I remember that being one of my favourites um, <laughs> around the time. He didn't have any of the, um, you know, the flame shirts.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Guy Fieri shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I always remember them in always in the winter. at stolen from Ivor.
1: Yeah, uh, I had one of those. Yeah, probably around this time. Yeah, should we do a segment every month where we bury Jeff's wardrobe, or you bury Jeff's wardrobe?
0: I think, I think, I think, I think we should.
1: Um, Shirt of the month.
0: Yeah, no, our uh, uh, Jeff was always um, a Burton's guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, but, uh, just all brown. Lots of brown. That's before he went into his uh check shirt era, which he's still still rocking the check shirts now. But I will I will say he did look good in his um FTR bomber jacket um the other week at yeah. uh, Catch Pro Wrestling. Um, he, <laughs> he I think it's about 100 about 100, 100 quid for that. Mm-hmm. And when 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 he said oh, he's bought that, I'm like fucking now, what are you gonna look like in that? and <laughs> I will say like the finished product eventually got it six about six months later after he bought four <laughs> It looks all right in it.
1: So if there's if there's FTR bald and FTR hair, is he FTR somewhere in the middle?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's the new Tully Blanchard. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. So- Back anyway. to the wrestling of 1999. Yeah, so the babyfaces run to the ring where the heels attack. Uh, someone came up with the genius idea of pairing off Paul Sloan and Mad Dog, and they immediately fuck up the first spot. Uh, the crowd are chanting "Gilbert" at Paul Sloan, which made me laugh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I did put like there was terrible run off the ropes by Sloan with all the movements of a corpse.
1: He 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 does he does <laughs> scary feet. Yeah. He does little tiny, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, the baby faces beat up Johnny Storm. Mad Dog just saunters in and powerbombs bombs Sloane. Uh, Storm takes over with a top rope splash, and then unfortunately tags in Mad Dog, who shows off his second move, a suplex. <laughs> I wrote Storm, and Sloane runs the ropes like a make a wish kid. He does. If you ever see like the the. The stuff that the WWE puts out of like some poor kid with cancer who gets to pin Triple H like they'll do like a rope running spot and run like this oh, God. <laughs> uh, Johnny Storm just about super kicks him to put an end to that McPhee comes back in and apparently he also knows the figure four leg lock which is good uh, the heels do a top rope version of total elimination which doesn't come off half as good as that sounds I think because Mad Dog is on the wrong side
0: yeah, the, like one like overshoots over the top of them, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, so I, I, Mad Dog does the leg sweep on the same side that Storm does the the spinning the the spinning leg lariat off the top, yeah. and I think it would look. I think Mad Dog was on the wrong side, and if he'd been on the other side, this would have look much better. Like it's quite a cool idea in theory, but like the these two couldn't quite pull it off. Saturn and, and
0: Prowl's said it wasn't. <laughs>
1: Shatten and <laughs> uh yeah johnny storm is now legal despite not actually tagging in the referees are really bad at policing tags on this show i've discovered uh sloan and storm double down off clothesline and simply sloan <laughs> simply just rolls over to make the hot tag because he's in the wrong place and the ring is really small uh powers then makes himself, Storm, and especially Mad Dog look like idiots as he takes Storm into the heel corner to batter him while Dog just stands right next to them on the apron and watches. We get the call of the show from the commentary, which is he's got him up. It's gonna be a slingshot suplex. No, a slingshot something. This is a taped show. Redo the line and give it a name. <laughs> For the record, it was something like a slingshot sit-out face first suplex. It but instead was. of dumping it between his legs, he sort of it's Phil Powers on Johnny Storm. And Johnny kind of twists in the middle of it and basically ends up coming down face first on Phil Powers' leg. And you can see Johnny immediately grab his face and roll away. Uh, powers is still going, pile driver, body slam, top rope splash, and then Linsky pulls him off the pin. Uh, powers chasing him up the aisle mcfee catches up and goes for a powerbomb and gets backdropped on the ramp uh and then gets powerbombed on the floor by phil powers immediately killing his gimmick back in the ring the baby faces hit a dropkick doomsday device on storm that sloan doesn't go down with and storm has to backflip off the shoulders onto his own neck and gets pinned Saw winner paul sloan then slams storm around after the bell and kicks him out of the ring again fucking terrible <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, mainly Mad Dog McPhee again and Pauls.
1: <laughs> they're not good. Like no. they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be in the ring. <laughs> they're not. It, it's it's a similar problem to as we talked about translating wrestling Challenge. There's a lot of people on this show who are being put in positions they're not ready for. Like yeah. the commentators aren't good. Like uh, 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 Kenny McBride and ross gordon know the names of moves but they're just interchangeable uncharismatic scottish men yes
0: i i I was gonna say that there's there's nothing as in terms of personality that comes across from them two that makes them stand out as like a good duo you know like what um, carlson and webster did
1: yeah i think a drinking game to play particularly with this episode is how many times one commentator says the other one's name Hmm. What do you like- call that move, Kenny? I don't know, Steve, but it sure. was it was sure. constant, and it was kind of like there were points where the commentators were talking over each other. Yeah, like just barreling on with their line, and there were parts where there was a lot of last word syndrome, where each one seemed to feel they had to get in the last word and couldn't let a couldn't let a subject go.
0: Sounds like many of our podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Except
1: much more lame and less entertaining.
0: Well yes. <laughs> um so that's uh, episode two done with. That's the first yeah. two episodes. Um, yeah.
1: coming up next the, week.
0: What what's the what's the final thought on the uh, two episodes?
1: Well, I'm just gonna just gonna wrap up. Uh next week we have the Death Squad versus Shane and Murphy. Do you know who they are?
0: Shane and Murphy. Oh it's not our Alex, is it?
1: It's Alex Shane and Leon Murphy, who would then become Guy Thunder in the FWA.
0: Right. Was, uh, he, any, was he any good, Guy? He
1: Thunder? was. He was before my time. So he was the he was the early run before I turned up to do the the TWC stuff. Right. Uh, and of course, hopefully, I'm praying this is good. Doug Williams versus Christopher Daniels.
0: That should be good. That's like the FWA match, isn't
1: it? Hopefully. Uh, and then we get an uncharismatic Doug promo to close, followed by a plug for the UWA hotline.
0: It's probably the same as the fucking uh, house party hotline. Same <laughs> one. Press one for UWA, press two, house party, and you get sexy Steve Linsky on there. Oh,
1: God.
0: <laughs> With his American accent.
1: What are you wearing? <laughs> that was too good that was too good i was trying to do a bad american accent and that was still better than linsky's
0: fancy losing your wrestling ring (laughs) (laughs) oh dear Um, Anyway. anyway uh final thoughts uh Personally, myself, I think, uh, as I stated, the, the production was really good, much better than uh, Transatlantic Wrestling Challenge. Yep. There was um, infinitely better matches on this show, which was the Tiger Bass one yep. and the Naniwa one. Um, Yeah, we, we do get the odd, I think, like shit, <laughs> shit wrestlers, don't we? Mad Dog McPhee, Paul <laughs> Sloan, but not really Kung fu Kid Bad. Um, no
1: there's nobody that bad yet
0: and i think we've um, we've found our hero aren't we which is the one and only big papa t <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what, what do you think over all of these um two episodes karen
1: um i think they're decent enough i think they're much better than transatlantic wrestling challenge yeah but transatlantic wrestling challenge i was dreading the next one this i actually want to continue watching uh, mostly because like, the stories make sense and are progressing logically. Yeah. And it's a more competent television program, as you said, and the wrestling is better. Um, Tiger versus Cross was definitely the best match we saw, I think, of, of the two episodes. But, uh, I mean, the Stevie knight Jody Flash squash match, as you said, was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and Christopher Daniels versus Danny Royal isn't going to win any awards, but it was a competent television wrestling match
0: and sometimes you want competent wrestling
1: oh yeah i will yes abs- unless you're doing a review podcast like this where it's fun to you know stick the boot into to shit wrestlers yeah um, you generally if you're watching a wrestling tv show you want to see some good wrestling i thought overall though episode 2 was better than episode 1
0: yeah i i think um i think at least three of the matches were good weren't they
1: Yeah, it was was only the main event that really let the side down. Yeah. And I could complain about the bait and switch of uh, like Doug Williams versus Stevie Knight at the beginning. But again, you have to remember what mainstream wrestling TV was at this time that that was happening on Raw and Nitro every week. So you can't really blame them for doing it. And in the end, it sort of makes sense. Plus, you got to see a new person.
0: Yeah would fully agree with that so um next time we'll have episode three and four but kieran what do you want to plug
1: oh boy well uh if elon musk hasn't sunk twitter by the time you uh, hear this i am at kieran edits uh and i am also the co-host of the must see matches podcast at must see matches along with mark D. Uh, we have had a run of great uh, guests and matches uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, we have Adam. Alan Forel has come on. Uh, WH Park has come on. Matty Edwards has been on. Uh, we uh, what are we on now? Um, we have just released this week's show, which is um, uh, 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 Joe versus Punk two. Uh, Samoa Joe versus CM Punk. Clearly uh, with Dave Ryan from Days of Thunder as our guest. Um, I really want to big up the next one that's coming out next week, which is Kong versus Manami Toyota from Big Egg Wrestling Universe. And our guest on that is Alex from the Berubara Tag Boom podcast. And it's not so much about our discussion of the match, it's our discussion of what Japanese women's wrestling meant to Japanese culture, what Japanese culture meant to japanese women's wrestling uh about representation within women's wrestling and all kinds of stuff like that before we even get into the match uh i really want people to listen to that episode for sure
0: I suppose it comes at a good time because they're having that big crossover event with New Japan, aren't they? They are
1: indeed. And that is due to be released next Monday. I mean, I know you'll race this out before I've even gone to bed. Uh, Yeah. But (laughs) uh, that is due out, as we record this, that is due out next Monday, uh, which will be one day off the 28th anniversary of that match as well. Yeah. Uh, We seem to be hitting a lot of anniversaries lately. Uh, which is interesting. So the, the Kobashi Masawa one we did with WH Park came out on the anniversary of the match, uh, and we've got a couple more coming up across December, which will also hit anniversaries. Uh, yeah, that's at Matches, and if you go to linktr.ee slash matches, you can subscribe, which I very much recommend as opposed to trying to click the weekly Twitter post because they could go away at any point.
0: Yeah. I've I've already got it on like on follow on Spotify. Just do it, just do it like that. And do
1: that. Go on go on Spotify, search for must see matches. It's the black and white shot of the wrestling ring. Just click on that and hit subscribe or follow or whatever it is you click on Spotify. You can also do that on Amazon Music. You can do it on Apple Podcasts. We are on we're on fucking everything. Everywhere you can get a podcast, you can get our show.
0: Yeah. i think you're a quarter of the way through now aren't you
1: uh so we have 104 matches to do and the last one we recorded was episode 29 so yeah we're just over a quarter of the way through it it, it is a solid two years at one a week it's two years of podcasting
0: and as i always say when kieran's on it's a good bus ride absolutely i have that on the tagline (laughs) <laughs> one of these days, it's a good bus ride. Um, You've also got DDT, Teach, haven't you, as
1: well? We Can do, you? yes. That's still kind of limping along. We have DD Teach, which is at DDT Teach Pod on Twitter, and that's where the same, uh, same hosts, except Mark, is teaching me the enthusiastic noob uh, something about DDT pro wrestling from Japan every month. Uh, and I do believe... I have, nobody's been told this yet, and I haven't actually watched the matches, but why not? The next one we're going to do is uh, three influential followers from DDT's past.
0: Ah, interesting. It won't won't be the life and times of uh, Ricky Shane Page in the uh, company at the moment.
1: (laughs) I haven't watched one moment of that tournament.
0: (laughs) Um, Follow us on Twitter at GCP Podcast One, if Twitter's still alive. Uh, Follow me at Part 3 as well on Twitter. Coming up, we've still got two months of WCW to go. We've got WCW Mayhem. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time, with Chris Wilson. Also, catch me on uh, Grapple FPL. Uh, we're currently on a break due to the uh, the World Cup in uh, Qatar, but uh, we will be back much nearer to Christmas. We might have some World Cup uh, content, but yeah, uh, yeah, you can see us on there. I think they stream it on Twitch and on YouTube. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's all the plugs as ever, Kieran. Thanks very much.
1: No worries. It's always a pleasure to be here.
0: This has been a uh, GCP. Thank you very much and goodbye.
1: Американская фирма Transceptor Technology приступила к производству компьютеров персональный спутник. Yeah.